The Book of Revelation Unveiled Chapter 5 The Seal of Prophetic Scroll Revelation's main prophetic message is unveiled primarily through seven sets of symbols sketched on a scroll fastened with seven successive seals. Jesus Christ breaks the seals and opens the scroll before John's eyes. John sees and describes the symbols of the vision, each having a specific prophetic significance. As we have already seen, Christ alone has the right to unveil the meaning of the seals. But he does not fully explain each seal in its context. In fact, he had already, before his death and resurrection, revealed the keys we need to understand the seals. This information is recorded in Matthew 24, Mark 13, and Luke 21. The writers of each of these three gospel accounts record Jesus' answer to the questions his disciples asked him concerning when he would come again and what would be the sign of his coming and the end of the age. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Matthew 24, verse 3. Jesus revealed to them the trends and conditions that would dominate the world until his return. The seals of Revelation 6 symbolically portray the same conditions in the same sequence Christ had earlier described. Most of Revelation, about two-thirds of its content, is devoted to the seventh seal. The contents of the first six are found in chapter 6 alone. Chapter 7 interrupts the explanation of the seals to explain that 144,000 of the tribe of Israel, after being spiritually converted, will be protected from the seven plagues heralded by the trumpet blasts. It also explains that during the Great Tribulation, a great multitude from every nation on earth will repent and turn towards God. The events corresponding to the seventh seal dominate the remainder of the book. Why God's Judgment is Needed the first five seals correspond to adversities that are to afflict a vast portion of humanity, including some of God's servants, between the first and second appearances of Christ. These hardships, having already begun in the lifetime of John, extend to the time of the end. Concerning these particular afflictions, Jesus had earlier warned that all these are the beginning of sorrows, Matthew 24, verse 8, or the birth of pains. NIV, signifying calamities that would, like labor contracts, escalate in frequency and intensity before the end. He also said, Do not be terrified, for these things must come to pass first, but the end will not come immediately. Luke 21, verse 9. We should remember that the primary time frame for Revelation's main prophecies, it is the day of God's judgment and wrath on the nations. The occurrences of that time are the specific subject of the seventh seal. The first five seals describe conditions that predate the day of the Lord. These are the afflictions that make God's intervention and judgment necessary and just. They describe the particular end-time application of Satan's enduring deception of humanity, his persecution of the saints, and the unending pattern of war, with its horrible consequences that are the fruits of his deception. Under the sixth seal, we see portrayed a stunning display of signs and wonders in the heavens. This will transpire just before the day of the Lord, 
announcing that God's wrath and judgment are at hand. Now notice Jesus personally identifying the adversaries associated with the seals. Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. Nations shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they shall deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. And ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Matthew 24, verses 4 through 9, KJV. Let's compare what Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 24 to what the Apostle John saw in vision as each seal was opened. The first seal, false religion. The opening of the first four seals reveals the ride of the notorious four horsemen of the apocalypse. John reports on the first, I watched as the Lamb opened up the first of the seven seals. Then I looked, and there before me was a white horse. Its rider held a bow, and he was given a crown. And he rode out as a conqueror, bent on conquest. Revelation 6, verses 1-2, through NIV. What is the meaning of this mysterious rider? What is the object of his conquest? In Revelation 19, verse 11, in a later time frame, Jesus Christ is pictured as returning victoriously on a white horse. Does this seal picture the returning conquering Christ? Certainly this symbolic horseman bears much outward similarity to Christ at his return. But notice significant differences in the details. Christ is wearing many crowns, verse 12. Not just one crown as the rider wears. And Jesus is pictured with a sword as his weapon, verse 15, rather than a bow. The horseman of the first seal appears similar to the returning Christ, but different. Does he symbolize the real Christ or an imposter? Now let's compare this symbolic horseman to the first warning Jesus gave his disciples in the Olivet Prophecy. He warned them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Matthew 24, verses 4 and 5, KJV. Jesus warned his disciples that the first adversary they would face would come from deceivers. A few verses later, he explained methods imposters would use as they usurped his name. He reveals that they would stamp his name on a religion that is really a counterfeit Christianity. Then if anyone comes to you and says, Look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it. For false Christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. Therefore, if they say to you, Look, he is in the desert, do not go. Or look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. Verses 23-26 through 26. To be consistent with Jesus' prophecies, the first writer can represent only a deceptive power masquerading as Christ. Outwardly, it will appear Christian, but in reality, like the three writers that follow, a force for evil and destruction. This deception began in the early days of the apostles. 
but it will reach its greatest fulfillment in the last days. For example, Paul says, The lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 8 His influence over humanity will be according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception. Verses 9 and 10 At the time of the end, the deception of humanity will be so great that most of the world will be under the sway of a corrupt, counterfeit, and idolatrous religious system, one that has rejected the true teachings of the Bible. The Second Seal The Horror of War When the Lamb opened the second seal, another horse came out, a fiery red one. Its rider was given power to take peace from the earth and to make men slay each other. To him was given a large sword. Revelation 6, verses 3 and 4, NIV. This horse, the color of blood, matches Christ's second warning. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Nations will rise against nation and kingdoms against kingdoms. Matthew 24, verses 6 and 7. When Jesus founded the church, the Roman Empire was enjoying a brief period of peace. But this lasted only a few decades. Then Rome was again at war. This pattern was to continue until the time of the end, when it would reach its climax in the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Revelation 16, verse 14 and 19, verses 11 through 21. But even before that final battle, the book of Revelation indicates global warfare will already be underway. It describes massive armies engaging in military actions that will take out hundreds of millions of lives. The third seal, war's consequences. When the Lamb opened the third seal, I looked, and there before me was a black horse, and its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand. Then I heard what sounded like a voice among the four living creatures, saying, A quart of wheat for a day's wages, and three quarts of barley for a day's wages, and do not damage the oil and the wine. Revelation 6, verses 5 and 6, NIV. This seal portrays an extreme scarcity of food and other basic necessities of life. It corresponds to Christ's third warning, and there will be famines. Matthew 24, verse 7. Scarcity of food and resulting famines are the natural aftermath of war. At the time of the end, military conflicts among nations will destroy property and disrupt agricultural production. The fourth seal, the mounting toll. When the Lamb opened the fourth seal, I looked, and there before me was a pale horse, and its rider was named Death, and Hades was following close behind him. Referring to all four horsemen, he said, they were given power over a fourth of the earth to kill by sword, famine, and plague, and by the wild beasts of the earth. Revelation 6, verses 7-8, through NIV. The fourth seal describes widespread disease epidemics and death and wake of the war and famine of the previous seals. 
This corresponds with the fourth condition listed by Jesus, pestilence, or deadly epidemics of sickness and disease. Matthew 24, verse 7. His mention of natural disasters such as earthquakes also fits within the context of plagues that bring widespread death toll. Moreover, all these elements, war, famine, pestilence, and other calamities, reinforce each other. Wars and other disasters lead to famines and pestilences, which lead to further fighting over resources. The wild beasts of the earth become a concern in times of societal breakdown. And the reference here could also be to disease carriers, such as rats or even microscopic pathogens. At the time of the end, we can expect such dire conditions to impact various nations and regions of the world, and the faithful people of God living among them. Conditions in some areas may be similar to the last days of ancient Israel, when God told Jeremiah he would consume them by the sword, by famine, and by pestilence. Jeremiah 14, verse 12. God does not want his servants to be surprised by outbreaks of such tragedies, but to look to him for help and deliverance. The Fifth Seal, A Religious Persecution After the four horsemen, Jesus opened up yet more seals. John writes, When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. They called out in a loud voice, How long, Sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? Then each of them was given a white robe, and they were told to wait a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and brothers who had been killed as they had been was completed. Revelation 6 verses 9 through 11 in IV. Symbolically pictured at the altar in God's temple, those who have already given their lives as martyrs in His service are still waiting. On the eve of the day of the Lord, for God's judgment on those who hate Him, His ways, and His servants. But they will have to wait a little longer, because another massive martyrdom of God's faithful must occur first. Christ already explained to His disciples what must take place. They will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Matthew 24, verses 9-12 through 12. The early church had scarcely been established before persecution set in. Several of the letters of the apostles refer to the suffering and martyrdom of faithful members at the hands of enemies of the church. Most of the apostles met a violent and early death. The epistles of 2 Timothy and 2 Peter record the final encouraging thoughts of Paul and Peter as they awaited execution. Brutal persecution and harassment continued in the following decades and on into later centuries. And it will happen again. Jesus explained that the worst persecution and martyrdom would come at the time of the end. For then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world 
until this time, no, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Matthew 24, verses 21-22 As we see more clearly later, people who refuse to worship the image of the beast in the last days will face the possibility of execution. Revelation 13, verse 15 The primary targets of this carnage will be those who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Revelation 12, verse 17 Additional prophecies explain that this time of great tribulation and persecution will also afflict the modern physical descendants of the twelve tribes of ancient Israel. See The Time of Jacob's Trouble, page 56. The Sixth Seal, Signs in the Sky Then we come to a major transition. I watched as he opened the sixth seal. There was a great earthquake. The sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat hair. The whole moon turned blood red, and the stars in the sky fell to earth. As late figs drop from a fig tree when shaken by a strong wind. The sky receded like a scroll, rolling up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Revelation 6 verses 12 through 14 NIV. Did Christ earlier explain when, in the sequence of prophesied events, these awesome and fearful heavenly signs would occur? He certainly did. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will become darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Matthew 24, verse 29. Now notice, in the concluding description of the sixth seal, what is to follow the heavenly signs. And the kings of heaven, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man, hid themselves in caves and in the rocks of the mountains, and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us, and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come, and who is able to stand? Revelation 6, verses 15 through 17. Compare Zephaniah 1, verses 14 through 17. Note the order of these separate events. First comes tribulation, as described in the fifth seal. Next, the heavenly signs, described in the sixth seal, occur. After the heavenly signs is the day of the Lord, the day of God's wrath. The heavenly signs occur after the time of tribulation has begun, but before the day of the Lord begins. The prophet Joel confirms this. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. Joel 2, verses 30-31 Why is this so significant? Satan lashes out. The end-time persecution and martyrdom of the saints, also directed at the physical descendants of ancient Israel, begins before the heavenly signs 
and is both the product and the expression of Satan's wrath. John later describes hearing a voice from heaven announcing, Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. Revelation 12, verse 12. Knowing his time is short, what does Satan do? Now when the dragon saw that he had been cast down to earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. Verse 13. The woman represents the people of God. At the time of the end, Satan will trigger many destructive events. Because his time is short, he will mobilize a deceived humanity into a frenzy of hatred and destruction against anything and anyone that represents the true God. This point is extremely important. Satan's vindictive rampage of terror will be launched against the natural descendants of the tribe of Israel as well as the converted servants of Christ before the heavenly signs announce the day of the Lord. This means that Satan's wrath, the time when great tribulation will fall on God's people, will have been underway for some time before the beginning of God's wrath. Even after the time of God's wrath, the day of the Lord, Satan's destructive war on God's people apparently will not cease until he is bound at Jesus' return. Revelation 20, verses 1 and 2. Notice that the woman of chapter 12 will be nourished for a time and times and half a time, which translates a year, years, and half a year, for the presence of the serpent. Verse 14. Even though God will nourish, strengthen, and protect some of his people during that terrible time, many others, as we have already seen, will be killed. Revelation 11 verse 2 tells us that Jerusalem is not to be trampled underfoot by Gentiles for 42 months. Revelation 11 verse 2. God also promises to raise up two prophets to be his witnesses for 1,260 days. Verse 3. That each of these periods equal three and a half years is significant. These references indicate that a total of three and a half years elapses from the beginning of Satan's attack on the people of God until his political and religious system is destroyed and he is locked away at Christ's return. The day of God's wrath will be brief. The length of God's judgment is nowhere specified in Revelation, unless it's implied in the expression, the great day of his wrath, Revelation 6, verse 17. In some other prophetic passages, God specifies that a day represents a year of punishment, Numbers 14, verse 34, and Ezekiel 4, verses 4 through 6. If that same principle applies here in Revelation, the day of his wrath will be the final year before Christ returns. Indeed, Isaiah 34, verse 8, refers to the day of the Lord's anger as a year-long period. This corresponds with the last year of the three and a half years of Satan's wrath. In other words, God's punishment on the day of the Lord would overlap Satan's vengeance on God's people for a period of one year, the final year of the last three and a half years. This time frame seems to be what John 
under inspiration of Christ, is indicating for the major end-time events described in Revelation, and it is entirely compatible with Christ's words. As he said, if those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. Matthew 24, verse 22, NIV. He indicates that all the events specifically related to the end time will occur within a brief period. The description of the sixth seal in Revelation 6 ends with these words, For the great day of his wrath has come, and who is able to stand? Verse 17. This announces the day of the Lord, the subject of the seventh seal. Yet opening the seventh seal is not discussed until the beginning of chapter 8. John interrupts the story flow of the seven seals that show 144,000 are sealed and a great innumerable multitude are converted from all nations at this time of worldwide turmoil. The Sealing of the 144,000 First the angel announces, Do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees. All are mentioned as being devastated by the first four trumpet plagues in chapter 8. Till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. Revelation 7 verse 3. Why are the 144,000 sealed? One key is given later when another angel commands locust-like implements of war. Do not harm the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree but only those men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. Revelation 9, verse 4. The sealing of those who are chosen by God is now complete. And now, the massive devastation of the coming trumpet plagues that God will inflict on mankind during the day of the Lord will not harm them. They may continue to experience some of the effects of Satan's vengeance even during the day of the Lord but their sealing guarantees that punishments representing God's wrath will in no way affect them. Who are these 144,000? How are they identified? The number of those who are sealed. 144,000 of all of the tribes of Israel were sealed. Revelation 7 verse 4. This sealing has to do with the receiving God's Holy Spirit so one can be spiritually converted. As Ephesians 1 verse 13 through 14 says, Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, which is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance, redemption of those who are God's possession. NIV. Compare Ephesians 4 verse 30 and 2 Timothy verse 19. The 144,000 of Revelation 7 are mentioned again in Revelation 14, where it becomes clear that the spiritual firstfruits will have repented and been converted before the beginning of the day of the Lord. They are described as being redeemed and without fault. They are represented as having a relationship with both God the Father and Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God. And then I looked, and behold, a Lamb was standing on Mount Zion, and with him, 144,000, having his Father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven, 
like the voice of many waters, and like the voice of loud thunder. And I heard the sound of harpists playing their harps. They sang as it were a new song before the Lord, before the four living creatures and the elders. And no one could learn that song except the hundred and forty-four thousand who were redeemed from earth. These are the ones who are not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. These were redeemed from among men, being firstfruits to God and the Lamb. In their mouth was found no deceit, for they are without fault before the throne of God. Revelation 14, verses 1-5 through The Great Innumerable Multitude After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. Revelation 7, verses 9-10 through 10. The multitude is made up of people from many nationalities and ethnic groups on earth, from their tribes, clans, and languages. What makes them special is that they all have come out of the Great Tribulation and washed their robes and made them white with the blood of the Lamb. Verses 13-14 through They are converted servants of God, having suffered from, and as seems to be implied, been converted during the first two and a half years of the Great Tribulation before the beginning of the Day of the Lord. There is no firm agreement among biblical interpreters as to what the text of Revelation 7 implies about the immediate future of this multitude. These people are, however, promised eternal life, salvation with the rest of the saints at the return of Christ. Some interpret the receiving of white robes by the great innumerable multitude as an indication they may have been martyred by the beginning of the day of the Lord. If so, they will be resurrected at Christ's coming, just as those martyrs given white robes in Revelation 6, verse 11, must wait until their deaths are avenged during the day of the Lord to be resurrected to eternal life at Christ's return. Another view is that the innumerable multitude will survive the great tribulation and will continue to live and be sheltered by God during the day of the Lord. The New Revised Standard Version seems to advocate this meaning by the way it translates Revelation 7, verse 15. For this reason they are before the throne of God, and worship Him day and night within His temple, and the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. Other translations, however, are less specific in their rendering of this verse. The reason for this is that the original Greek wording states only, God will dwell, or tabernacle, among them. The conclusion that they remain alive and are sheltered from further harm during the day of the Lord is then deduced from this promise. The promises in the next two verses, though their specific application is somewhat ambiguous, are generally regarded as reinforcements of this deduction. They shall neither hunger any more nor thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any heat. For the Lamb, who is in the midst of the throne, will shepherd them and lead them 
to living fountains of waters, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Verses 16 and 17. Unmistakably clear in Revelation 7 is that the great harvest of true and faithful Christians will occur during the first years of the Great Tribulation period. That immense spiritual harvest will be reaped not only from the literal tribes of Israel, but from other nations and other peoples throughout the earth. The powerful preaching of God's two witnesses in chapter 11 will no doubt contribute greatly to the conversion of this vast number during that frightening and deadly time. Thanks for listening to The Seals of the Prophetic Scroll, Chapter 5 of the booklet, The Book of Revelation Unveiled. For the rest of this booklet, please visit ucg.org.